Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Today I want to bring you part two of a message I started two weeks ago. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you have God's dream in your heart over your life? This young lady right here, she's incapacitated. She doesn't have the normal privileges that you and I have. But in the last 10 years, how much money have you raised? She's raised $25,000 from her wheelchair for orphan children in Africa. I want to ask you, what is the dream that you have in your life today? Is there a dream? Maybe you had a dream that you once carried. Maybe it was a dream that burned bright in your heart. Maybe it was a dream that you used to wake up and it used to get you out of bed every single morning. You couldn't wait to see another day get closer to the fulfilment of that dream over your life. Or maybe circumstances, situations, demonic attacks have come against your life and you've lost the power of a dream that is birthed by God. Do you remember the parable of the sower and the seed? The sower went out to sow his seed, the Bible says. And the Bible says the seed is the, the Word of God. The seed is incorruptible. The seed is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the seed. And as he threw the seed out along the ground, the Bible says that the fowls of the year came and snatched the seed. You see, the devil is an expert at stealing the seed of God's Word out of your life so that you once used to have a dream that was up here. But now your dream has been reduced and you're no longer looking up to your dream. Your head is down and you're looking down at your feet because the devil stole that dream. We all know that he's the master of making a onerous and hard road for people who want to serve the Lord, who get serious. But we also know that greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world and that we can overcome the devil through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony. Amen. That we have the power of the resurrected Christ living inside of us and that power can overcome every single opposition that the devil would ever send your way. So can I ask you a question this morning? Are you carrying a dream in your life? I'm not talking about the motivational speakers that promise you to be a millionaire. I'm talking about a dream that is the revelation of God's Spirit that has been impregnated, that has been imparted into your heart. A dream that you carry, a dream that never seems to go away. It's just there in the background. Because you see, friends, when God plants a seed, you can't get rid of it. When the seed of God's Word is in your heart, it will always remain. Even if you've got a lot of stuff going on around about your life, parked in the background is the dream and is the vision of what God wants to do in and through your life. And you know, every single one of us are a lampstand for Jesus. Every single one of us, there is a light to be burnt that carries a vision and a dream that can light the path for other people. You are a gift to this world. 
God has placed you in the workplace that you're in. He's placed you in the family that you're in. He's placed you in the street that you live in. He's placed you there because He has a dream that through your life, people will come to know Jesus. He has a dream that this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom that Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, that this kingdom can advance through the life of God's people who are carrying and are burdened with an impartation of revelation that has come into your spirit. Up on the first slide, we see this, that people lose their way when they lose their why. People lose their way when they lose their why. If you don't have purpose in your step, if you don't have purpose in your life, then very soon you are walking around in circles and your life is not heading in a specific direction. The compass is swinging all over the place because you've lost the direction. You've lost your why. Why is it God? What is the why that you have placed within my life, the purpose? And so just a really quick recap. We had three W's in the first message that I gave to you. A prophet called Habakkuk. And Habakkuk chapter one, the minor prophets. Habakkuk, he had all these questions that he was asking God. He didn't have the answers to the questions. And he needed answers within his life. And so this is what he says in chapter two, verse one. He said, I will. That's the first W. I will. You've got to want God's plan for your life. Don't expect God to cast pearls before swine. Am I calling you a swine this morning? No, I'm not. But the Word of God says this, that the treasures of the kingdom of heaven are priceless. And God just isn't going to throw those treasures away your way if you don't value what God wants to put within your life. When you value the treasures of the kingdom of heaven, you will begin to seek out what those treasures are for your life. An automatic response, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. There is a hunger that comes within your life where you desire and you choose, you make a deliberate decision. I will find out for my life what God's dream is. Hallelujah. This morning. And so we choose. And when we do that, that means there's a priority now that's now in your life. It's called this, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things that the world is searching for, you don't have to chase them, they will chase you. He said, they shall be given to you. If you make God's kingdom the number one priority within your life, Finding out God's why, His purpose for your life, the dream that He has for your life. Friends, I want to tell you something. There's coming some fresh revelation, insight and impartation your way that is going to begin to fuel every day of your life for the rest of the days of your life. Can I hear an amen this morning? And so he says, number one, I've got to desire God's vision. I've got to desire the dream that He carries for my life. I've got to want it. I want this, Lord. 
The second thing that the prophet does, does, he says, I will climb up and I will go into my watchtower. A watchtower in the old days was built on the ramparts of the city, on the walls of the city. It was a place where one person could go. It's a place where they separated themselves off and they often used to look out and they would be watching for activity that happened from the place of the watchtower. And so the prophet's saying, first of all, Lord, I want some answers from you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to withdraw and I'm going to come apart unless I come apart. Amen. If you don't come apart with Jesus, you'll come apart. So he says, I'm going to come apart. I'm going to head into my watchtower. I'm going to withdraw for the sole reason of focusing my attention upon the Father. Do you remember what Jesus did? The Bible says this in the Gospel of Mark. A great while before dawn, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. And the Bible says his disciples were frantically running around everywhere trying to find him. That's why he withdrew. He withdrew from the normal busy activity of his life so that he could be alone with the Father to get the Father's vision and the Father's dream for the day. The Bible says this, that Jesus never ended up anywhere by accident. He always ended up where he was supposed to be because when he came apart and withdrew, the Father revealed to him what the agenda of the day was. Isn't that a, a great way to live your life? To be like a guided missile. That wherever you're, you're going, you know that you're supposed to be there and that things are supposed to happen. It happens to me continuously. I find myself having God encounters with people all the way through my week because I know I am where I'm supposed to be and I run into people all the time and have these amazing God conversations and encounters. And so... The second W is, the first one's I've got to want it. The second one is I've got to withdraw and get by myself. And friends, here's the truth. If you want to do that on a regular basis in your life, you want to get up early in the morning like Jesus did and withdraw to have some solitude with the Father, then that means that you've got to go to bed 30 minutes earlier. You can't burn the candle at both ends. You've got to be able to sacrifice one for the good of the other. You keep trying to get up early in the morning when you're going to bed at 11 and 12 at night. Eventually, you'll just phase out and you'll, and you'll burn out and some other horrible stuff starts going on in your life because your body's not made for that. So seven to eight hours sleep, just being practical here today, if you want to get up at five or six in the morning for the time to get into your watchtower, to be with Jesus, then you've got to give up Nightline. You've got to give up TV. You've got to give up something in order that you can get up early in the morning and get that carcass out of bed, amen, and get into that watchtower early in the morning. So can I encourage you for that? Start off with 30 minutes with God in the morning. Go to bed 30 minutes earlier. Get your body clock adjusted. I know shift work is here. That's hard work. But you've got to find the routine and the rhythm that's going to suit your life today. So the way I do it is I treat my time with Jesus like an appointment. It's like an appointment. I hate being late to appointments and I hate keep, keeping people waiting. And I hate keeping Jesus waiting. You know, 
It's like you got all the excuses in the sun. I was tired, I couldn't do it. But the Lord just says, yeah, I saw your excuses. Something called a big white sheet <laughs> that went back over your head <laughs> in the morning where you rolled over and you turned over the other way and you went back to sleep. <laughs> all right. And the third, thing that, the third thing that the scripture says here is this. He says, then I will wait. I will wait. You've got to train your spirit in the presence of the Lord. You've got to train your spirit to sit still. You've got to train your spirit to be in the presence of God. Because naturally we are restless people. And so when you're restless, it's very difficult being a restless person and being a person that can wait at the same time. For example, if you're a person that goes to the doctor's surgery and it's a very busy surgery, your appointment was at three o'clock and it's now quarter past three and there's no sign of your doctor, what kind of a person are you? Are you pacing up and down the waiting room? Are you going to grab another New Zealand Woman's Weekly just to go and grab and feed on the latest gossip? I wonder if you can just sit still in that doctor's surgery and take 10 minutes to quietly pray while you're sitting there. You can do that if you've trained your spirit to wait in the presence of the Lord. And remember, we went through, uh, we went through the Psalms and we found out that David waited quietly. He waited patiently and he waited with an atmosphere of expectation. So what do we do? We want it. We withdraw to seek the Lord, to focus on Him, no distractions. And thirdly, we train our spirit to wait. And the fourth thing that he does, the fourth W this morning, is that he watches. Hmm, that's interesting. Because this verse is a paradox. This verse is a paradox. It says, different translations, the New King James says, I will watch to see what the Lord will say to me. Now, to me, that's Irish. I'm watching to hear. Aren't your ears? Aren't your ears the ones that hear, not your eyes? And yet the prophet says, I will stand in my watchtower and I will watch to see what the Lord will say to me. Now, for some of you this morning, this is going to be a real breakthrough for you. Because you're always waiting for words to come your way. I want to tell you the primary way the Holy Spirit speaks to God's people on the earth is through visual pictures. That you hear what the Lord is saying to you through a vision, through a visual picture. Let's just picture it for a moment. You've got a meeting coming up on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. You know who's, who's going to be in the meeting. You know what the agenda is all about. And already in your mind, just before you walk into that meeting, you've already got a picture in your mind of who the people are in the meeting and what's going to happen in that meeting. You see, friends, we think visually. Right now in this room, right now, there's digital waves, invisible frequencies running through this building. In fact, you could open your phone right now and watch Isaac TV. Right now, you can't see those pictures coming your way, but you've got a device that can, that can decipher the signal and all of a sudden you have a picture. Right now, NASA has sent out probes to Mars 
and as far out to Jupiter. Hello. And they are receiving pictures from millions and millions of miles away. Don't you think if NASA has the technology to send a picture from Jupiter and from Mars that God has the ability to send a picture to your mind and to your spirit today because that's how He communicates to His people. It's called looking through your mind's eye. Hello. Why do you think we sung the song this morning? Open the eyes of my... Because your heart has spiritual eyes. Your heart sees things. And so as you have withdrawn, you're now waiting in the presence of the Lord, you're now watching. You're now watching to see what the Lord will say to you. What does that mean? That means if you're right with God, if you're... If your supermarket receipt has been paid up, your sins have come under the blood of Christ, you're right with God, then you can expect transmissions to begin to happen as you sit before the Lord, as you wait and you begin to watch, God will begin to communicate. And you think to yourself, what am I seeing that picture in my mind for? Well, silly, that's God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to you. Remember the prophet Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What is God doing? Visions and dreams, that's pictures. If I say apple to you right now, what are you thinking? You're probably seeing an apple. Depending on your bent, that could be a red delicious. That could be a New Zealand rose. That could be a Granny Smith. I don't know what your flavour is, but when I said apple, immediately you thought, of a picture in your mind of an apple. Amen. Well, you see, that is how God speaks to us. And over the years, God has done this. It was incredible. I remember in our second church, uh, we were meeting in a school hall like this for about four years. And I said to the eldership, I said, I'm sick of meeting in a school hall. I I, I had a bit of a moment with the eldership. Us pastors have them sometimes, you know. And so I said, I said, our God is bigger than this school hall. It's time for us to get a bigger venue and it's time for us to get a seven day a week venue where we can operate community, we can do everything out of. And so I already had a picture in my mind it was going to be downtown. And we were in the suburbs. And we were pretty much a family church. So take a family church into downtown, seemed upside down. But already in my mind, I saw the colour of the roof of the building before I saw the building. And you know what the amazing thing was? I had to go away and preach for a week. And while I was away, the eldership found the building. And it was a nightclub. It was a nightclub that hadn't been opened for two years. It had been left exactly as it was where the former tenants had been kicked out. And they'd been kicked out because somebody got stabbed and rolled Out the front door, they died in the nightclub and nobody had been in there since. So we went in there, there was marijuana and all the ashtrays. It could have been smoking hot pastors. (laughs) Getting new revelations from Jesus. (laughs) 
We had a we had a lounge bar. We had a public bar. We we had we had fridges. We had glasses. We had commercial dishwashers because when we took on the tenancy, I asked about all the gear and the, you know what the landlord said to me. She said, "You know what? I'm going to give everything to you. You can whatever you want to do with it." If you're a church and you want to keep the bar, well, that's all. I won't judge you. I won't judge you if you want to keep the bar. That's fine. So this is what we did. We got a big chainsaw out. And we cut the bar in half and we sold it to a pub down in Fakatani. Because <laughs> we're going to make some money out of this thing. <laughs> we sold the chiller. We sold the fridges. We sold all these things. Praise God. And the final thing that we had to get rid of was that it was like if we're all facing this, right? Walls in the nightclub, mirrors everywhere. So we're worshiping the Lord like this, watching our pose in the mirror as we're worshiping God. So we had to get the mirrors off the wall. It was a little distracting. <laughs> and anyway, so we moved into that place. Now here's here's the thing: we spent forty thousand dollars. Fitting that place out for a church. And it was a great building, right? But here's how what I'm telling you works. I got all the men in one morning. The morning that we were dedicating our final finished fitting. All the guys in church had been working hard. We had all the tradespeople in the church directing all the labourers. And, uh, and we'd fitted everything out. We had brand new ca carpet got laid the night before, or the morning, actually early morning of the dedication of the building to the Lord. Okay? So I said, men, let's go down early in the morning and let's be the first ones there to pray. So a group of us men went down early in the morning. And as I'm closing my eyes and praying, all of a sudden I get a vision of the building next door that's twice as big as the building that we've just fitted out and the Lord said to me, I'm going to give you that building. And straight away I had a visual picture of that building being filled, the one next door. And I started laughing and all the guys are looking at me and I was laughing. I was laughing because I thought, hasn't God got a sense of humour? We've worked our butts off. We've spent all this money on getting this building up and running. And he says, and I'm going to take you next door to fit out another building. <laughs> the tradies weren't that happy about that. But you know, you know what? We went and next door, this is what was running next door, was a laser zone. Anybody seen laser zone? So there's this big labyrinth of just all these things. And they have these electronic pistols and they shoot each other with these things. We went to the owner of that building four times to ask for that building to be used as a church. Every single time he said, there's no way I'm renting this to a church. And on the final time, the man who is now the deputy mayor of Tauranga, he was one of my elders in the church. He's now the deputy mayor and I used to get him to do it because he was really good at negotiating. And I got him to negotiate and he kept going back and on the fourth occasion, we wore the guy down and not only did we wear him down, but we got a, about 20 grand off him for the annual lease. And we managed to shift into the building next door. So now we had two buildings. And all of them came through a picture. All of them came through a dream. You think we're going to be in this school hall forever? Uh, 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 uh. When God says move, when the cloud moves, we will move. And the next building that we have is not going to be the same size as this because that would be foolish. 
we move into another venue that can then provide another 20 to 50% growth for the next phase of the church. And I want to tell you something, God will communicate to us because in Auckland that is an impossibility with man. But with God, nothing is impossible, amen, to them who believe. And so I want to say to you, when you get in your watchtower, when you withdraw to focus on God and you wait in the presence of God, I want you to learn how to watch. I want you to learn how to see through the eyes of your heart what it is that God is doing. And this is what you do. This is what you do. You write down the impressions, the pictures, and the thoughts into a journal because this is what will happen. The Holy Spirit will revisit it. The Holy Spirit will come back. And he will begin to give you more information about what it is that you want to do. Because I want to tell you something. Some of these dreams and visions aren't going to happen tomorrow. Some of them are for 10 years down the track. If you read the rest of Habakkuk, that says, though the vision tarries, wait for it. Wait for it. Sometimes there's a waiting time. Sometimes when God's spoken to me, I thought this is going to happen next week. 10 years later. And so we're going to understand that our ways are not his ways, and our thoughts are not his thoughts. And so when God speaks to us, often there is a lag between that time. So we learn to watch. We learn to receive those pictures from the Word of God. Let me give you an example. I won't go into all the scriptures. Could I have the second slide of Genesis 15 up there, please? The second one, look at this. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying. Now, in verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Hey, eh? The word of the Lord? Words came in a vision. Why is that? Because a picture speaks a thousand words. So when you get a picture and you get a dream, all of a sudden there's a whole lot of words that are attached to it. So God comes to Abraham. Abraham is frustrated. This is the first time in Scripture, Genesis 15, where we read that Abraham answers God back. Every other time that God has spoken to him, this is what happens. He says, yes, Lord, and he obeys. But why is he now asking God questions? Because God promised him and his wife a son, and it's now 20 years since the promise. And there's been no child. And so Abraham's now asking questions. Let's be honest. When time goes by and you're holding a dream in your heart, we all ask questions. You just need to know to ask the right person the question. And that person is the Lord. Take it back to the Lord. And so he takes him back. And Abraham, in verse 2 of this verse, he says, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless in the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? This is what he's saying. God, the only heir in my house is my young servant boy. And he didn't come out of my loins, and he didn't come out of my wife's womb. You promised us a son. And then, in verse 4, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. Get your eyes off the natural, Abraham. But one will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside. Look what God does. Look now toward heaven. Middle Eastern night sky. Look to heaven. And count the stars to see if you are able to number them. Okay, we're all going to have difficulty with that, looking to heaven and counting the stars. Okay, you're going to get up to 101, 102, and then you're going to forget what number you're up to. And go, oh, I have to start all over again. Now, where did I start? 
Was it over there or over there or over there? You'll never be able to do it. But this is what God says. And he said, so shall your descendants be. Listen, this is what God does. He puts a picture in the mind of Abraham who's childless, who's frustrated. God, you said. And God reminds him through a visual picture. He speaks to him in a vision of the night stars. And he says, as many as you can see, that's how many your descendants are going to be. And Abraham's going, flip, Lord, I was only asking you for one. And you're saying now it's going to be as many as the stars in the sky. You see, what God does, friends, is that he imprints and burns upon your mind and into your heart a vision for your life and a dream that he's holding and how he's going to use you. But you've got to watch in your watchtower and see what the Lord will begin to say to you. People say, isn't this visualization new age techniques? Well, friends, this isn't, but that's where the, that's, guess where new age got it from. Can I say this? If something's not real in the first place, there won't be a counterfeit. Have you ever seen a $4 note? Why not? They don't exist. So you'll never see a counterfeit $4 note. Passing the money over the counter to the dairy owner with $4 notes, counterfeit notes. What are you, mate? Hey, my CCTV's got this passing $4 notes over the counter. Are you thick? This one will be, definitely be on Police 10-7. You'll be a star. <laughs> $4 counterfeit notes. No, you'll never see a $4 counterfeit note because there's not a real counterfeit note. But you will see counterfeit visualizations and new age techniques. And what I'm sharing with you this morning, because the devil can't create, he's a created being, but he knows how to pervert and he knows how to, to mess up what God's created in the first place. And God is the first owner of visions and dreams. And that's how he wants to speak to you today. So don't be worried about being deceived or led by the enemy in this whole area. If you're right with God, if you're waiting in your watchtower and you're watching to see what the Lord will say to you, he will begin to speak to you in visions and dreams. So, hallelujah this morning. So the truth this morning is that vision comes through the eyes and not through the ears. So how can you further this technique? The first thing I want to share with you to do is that you've got to ask God specific questions. Never be afraid to ask the Lord a question. Ask Him anything. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not spoken? Shall he not make it good? You can ask God anything, but I want to tell you something. Expect him to answer you. Look at what James says in a modern translation, verse 5 of chapter 1. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. For he's always ready to give a balanced supply of wisdom to all who ask him. But listen to this. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to tell you. That means you've got to have faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. When you have faith in your heart that God is going to speak to you, watch the process begin to unfold. Don't go into that watchtower with unbelief in your heart. 
Don't go into their watchtowers telling yourself all the things that God cannot do. No, go in there with an attitude of faith. Go in there with a heart full of belief. Go in there telling God how amazing He is, how great He is, how mighty He is, and watch the answers begin to come your way. Hallelujah. And the second thing with that is, is that you want to make sure that you keep your Bible reading up to date. Amen. You want to be able to, Psalm 119 says this, Lord, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful truths in your word. Number five, as we're nearly coming to a close this morning, write it down. So he says, he says, watch. He says, wait. Get by yourself. And then he says, when God begins to give you those visions and dreams, begin to write them down. Can just as a matter of how many of you keep a spiritual journal? Can I see your hands? Wow. Okay, probably about 65% of you keep a spiritual journal. Now, a spiritual journal is not a diary. Diary goes like this. Went downtown, met my friends, went to McDonald's, picked up the laundry. How exciting for you. A spiritual journal is placing entries on paper of when God has been speaking to you. So that may not be an everyday thing for you. So don't try and make it up. Um, what am I going to put in my diary today? I have to make something up. What can I put down? Put down the impressions and the thoughts, the scriptures that God goes to, because this is what you do. You revisit your journal entries and the picture where that may have been a little bit fuzzy, begins to become sharp. It begins to become focused as you begin to revisit what God has been speaking to you about in that journal. So he says, write down the vision. Make it plain upon the tablets. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a great fan of this. A number of years ago, I got so busy. I got so busy that my prayer times were very weak. They were very weak. Always something going through my mind. I couldn't slow my mind down. And so I said, Lord, I, I just need something. I need, to, I, I need a tool for you to help me slow my mind down because I want to engage with you in prayer. I don't want this to be a religious ritual. I don't want this to be something where I'm just quoting this, bless mum, bless dad, bless the kids. I don't want to have prayer times like that where it just becomes ritual and ceremony. And the Lord said to me this, write down your prayers. Down your prayers. And this is what it helped me do. As I began to write down my prayers, you know when you're writing? You know when you're being fake. Because you look at what you've just written, you say, oh, that's pathetic. You know? I'm just writing something for the sake of writing something. Now, when you write down your prayers, they become authentic they became way different to what you would normally just speak by ritual and ceremony. And as you begin to write down, you get back in touch with God and He begins to minister deep into your spirit. So there's a couple of ways that I do this. Let me just show you up on the next um, screen. One of the things that I do is I do a soap devotional scripture. I read the Word. I isolate one or two verses I write down the scripture in my journal, and then I write down a couple of sentences of my observations. 
What am I observing about these verses? Then I write down an application for it. And I say this, what does God want me to do about this in my life? What is he wanting me to act on as a result of reading what I've just read? And then I write down a two or three sentence prayer. So here's an example of one I did in October. Just pulled one out. So Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So here's my observation. Ministry to the Lord comes before service to the world. Amen. If we're running around serving, but we're never ministering to the Lord in worship, we're getting empty fast. Because it says, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and, that word we love, and, somebody say something? Fasted. Fasted. Okay. Fasted. That's not just turning your TV off for a week, all right? That means missing some food, okay? That doesn't mean going down to the drive-in at McDonald's, getting a Happy Meal, and then going back home, putting it into the blender, and having a liquid meal. All right. That means missing that burger. Okay. I've heard of people doing this. All right. So as they sought the Lord God, made his plans clear who he would use for the mission of taking the gospel to the world, Barnabas and Saul. Application. Here's what God was saying to me. There is a work that God has, has called all of his people to attend to. We must discover this work and carry out the instructions of Jesus. Fasting and prayer brings a clarity through the prophetic ministry. Here we see the fivefold working to carry out God's plan. This is my calling. Here's my prayer. Father, help me to continue pushing myself to claim new ground for the gospel and see the world one uh, to you through having the right people in the right place at the right time. That was my personal journal entry in October as I was going through the book of Acts. That is so simple, but it's so powerful. You know, a lot of the stuff I preach comes out of my soaps. So there's a direct connection to the word of God being poured into your heart and a connection to that word. Amen. And uh, here's another example. So the second thing that you can do is to do a soap. The second thing, if we never look at the next slide, is that journal the things I'm hearing and seeing outside my soap time. So outside your normal time of connecting uh, to the Lord where you're spending other times with Him. So last year, I had some time away with God and God just simply said this to me. Seven churches by 2030. Very simple sentence. Seven churches by 2030. Now in New Zealand, now in Asia, seven churches by 2030, no problem. In New Zealand, seven churches by 2030, big problem. Because of our size, our resources, how much land, buildings, everything costs, God needs to do a miracle within our lives to enable us to happen. So what does God do? He gives, he gives me that, uh, that and straight away I'm visualising seven churches. Straight away I'm visualising people coming to Christ and coming to the Lord through those extension of those churches. Immediately the vision is percolating and bubbling away. So what happens is that one of the gentlemen that's got saved under our ministry, who's a Fijian, what happens this year is that as we're, as we're waiting on the Lord for the next step, a piece of land is given to us in Fiji. Three minutes from Nandi Airport. 
Three minutes from Nandi Airport, we have a mission base for the South Pacific being ready to build, which will then fan other nations in the South Pacific. Who wants to go to a mission trip to Fiji? Hallelujah, I thought that. Who wants to go to a mission trip to Pakistan? Oh, come on, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> All right, lastly this morning, guys, the last one is this. This is what will happen as an automatic response. The final sixth W to get a dream for your life is that whenever the Lord speaks to you, there will be a natural response in your heart to worship. Whenever God has spoken into my life, the natural response from me is to immediately spend time thanking Him, praising Him, marinating in the presence of God through worship the things that He has spoken into my life. And so there you have it this morning. You now know the six steps very simply done by a minor prophet that people wouldn't even know how to say his name that gives us the keys to how we can approach God and get a dream and a vision for your life. You know, friends, as a church, we have this dream to start seven churches. But you know what? As your pastor, my dream is that every single one of you will follow the dream and the vision that God has for your life. Because He has plans to prosper you. He has plans to do good to you in your life, every single one of you. And I want to see that dream fulfilled over your life. So could we stand to our feet as we finish the meeting this morning?